Welcome to the Faith Debate. Thank you for making us a part of your Sunday morning as you listen in on 930 WFMD. I'm Troy Skinner, the host of the Faith Debate these last 17-plus years, also the pastor of the Household of Faith in Christ, online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. Joined this week again by David Forsey and the Razvies, Imran and Daniel. All four of us are pastors of house churches, and uh, we all have very similar commitments on uh, certain issues that are firm and core to the faith. And I think the, so far we've been talking about things where those agreements are, are pretty steadfast and probably the, the next few shows will be in a lot of agreement as well, I'm sure. But it'll be a chance for us to, to clarify some things, for us to get to know each other better and for you to get to know us as we do that. But eventually, and I'm expecting it'll happen uh, at some point in 2022, we'll start getting into things where maybe we disagree a little bit and that'll be, that'll be fun fodder for, for the whole family. So we'll keep it clean so the whole family can listen. So the last few weeks, we've been talking about things that are in the news, a lot of politics kinds of, of things as well. And we're going to have some of those same sorts of things going on uh, as we continue the, that, that thread of thought. Uh, and part of the reason, the motivation that we're doing it this way is the last couple of years, the faith debate was forced into kind of an oddball uh, arrangement with all the, the shutdowns and lockdowns and, and, and all sorts of uh, requirements that made it difficult to put together a panel discussion. So an awful lot was happening in the world, and the faith debate didn't have an opportunity to talk about it. (laughs) So now we have a chance uh, to talk about it. I want to start off today and see what you, by the way, uh, so people can identify voices. David, you want to say hello? It's me. Okay, it's me. It's not the same as hello, but (laughs) he's resistant to following directions. I'm Daniel Daniel Rasby. And I'm Imran Rasby. And it's a pleasure having you guys do this. Uh, uh, this is like our third month, fourth month uh, doing the show, and hopefully we'll be doing it for many, many months to come, uh, God willing. And the Lord Jesus doesn't return in the meantime. So let's let's start with um, kind of a uh, umbrella topic of you know, COVID has provided uh, an opportunity um, for fascists. Uh, to rule the day with tyranny. That's been a big issue uh, in the news. As we've, had a, as we've had a big change in political landscape, we've had a growth in the power of the political machine, the deep state, the, you know, whatever, what, what have you. So let's talk about some of those kinds of issues. I'll throw a few out, and we'll just have a, a discussion about those until we run out of some steam, and I'll throw out a few more, and we'll spur each other on. So there's been a lot of talk in recent years about the open southern border. Uh, you know, we need to build a wall, don't build a wall. Uh, the, the, the migration, the caravans of people coming, not just in this country, but in, in, uh, in Europe as well. Uh, there's said to be a migrant crisis. Some people are suspicious that it's a created migrant crisis. Um, are they seeking asylum or not? And when they get here, they're separated from their family. But are they really even family? All those sorts of issues. Uh, universal basic income and would it apply to these migrant families that uh, that enter the country uh, legally or otherwise um, as the government meantime is spending trillions and trillions of dollars but none of it to secure uh, the borders of the various nation states that exist um, or to defend the interests of the current citizens perhaps that they have so there's there's kind of a scattershot shotgun blast and it aimed in the general direction any initial thoughts, and or do you need to be very specific with a question to get us going? Uh, I'll I'll just make a, a comment, maybe. Um, 
So I I think in general uh, mankind has a tendency to think that we're in control of uh of something uh and I think that the people in power have a tendency to become really diluted and really think that they have some sort of control or you know seek after gaining gaining power uh and you know i i think that's that's a that's part of the human condition you know on uh you know on going unchecked um but i i think uh another maybe another comment i would say is that uh that uh that god never lets a a good crisis go to waste so you're saying God says that? <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm saying that that's uh, no 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 crisis, uh, no true crisis, no no difficult bad situation is uh, is, is something that God is not using. But you're not in meaning some to way or the, another. The powers that be don't have any power to control, right? Or the individuals don't have some sense of control in their in their lives, right? Just clarifying what you're meaning to, to say. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think we have a tendency to believe that we have a lot more control than we actually do. Um, you know, and maybe this would, uh, maybe this bleeds over theologically into, you know, the idea of, uh, Free will—that's a, a popular thing to to talk about in uh, in Christian circles, and even in in general. I think when when people in the world are feeling uh, uh, so, are you suggesting philosophical that this, that this uh, propensity to want to have more control than perhaps we think we do is what's driving some of those who have authority in government spheres? Uh, to say we're, we want to have so much control, we're going to control how much money people make by giving them a universal basic income. Uh, we're going to control the the cultural direction of of society by allowing certain people groups to uh, quote unquote migrate or immigrate uh, in. Yeah, I mean, isn't I mean, isn't the purpose of any kind of policy to affect some sort of change or to reach some kind of objective? I would say yes, uh, yeah, and and therefore you know, and that's why they're be, spending be, trillions and trillions of dollars. Try, you know, to that, they're, that they're therefore trying to control the outcome. You know, and you're suggesting they might not really be able to control the outcome all that well. Oh yeah, but for sure. <laughs> but but given the, the aims of what they're hoping to have as the outcome, what do we think about about that? Well, I think that uh, since their basic philosophy in on life and God is flawed, that they tend to try to do things for their own benefits. And when you try to push against the natural uh, order what God has put in place, you're going to have repercussions. One of the biggest problems with the migrant uh, crisis, I don't have any problem with people migrating to this country or to Europe or anything else. The problem I have is the freebies. Uh, Who wouldn't come if you're going to get free, you know, 
food and lodging and health care and everything for undif- un- indefinite uh, amount of time without contributing to society. And that's, that's what's causing the problem. If there was a responsibility attached to that, if there were no freebies, I know when my uh, parents came over, they were sponsored by my aunt, and my aunt and my uncle were responsible for us. There was no welfare at that time for us. We couldn't just decide to go on the government to dole and, and do that. But whenever the government starts doing that, there's always strings attached. So, so the purpose of the government doing, putting in place the, the uh, strategies that they have is to control the populace. The more migrants they have that are dependent on them, the more they can control them to control the rest of the populace. It is a control mechanism. It's, it's something that is designed to have the majority of the population under their control and doing their bidding. Yeah, that's one of the things I've said over the years as well, echoing that is because one of the things that those who have concerns about, uh, we get accused of being xenophobic. You know, anybody who's different than you coming here um, and, you know, this whole country, it's all immigrants. Everybody here is immigrants. But they're missing the point that years ago when the, the waves of immigrants came and helped to build this country into what it became, there weren't there wasn't the social welfare safety net in place on the backs of all the people right. who are already here. So that's a big difference. And so the rules, I think it's only fair the rules would change if all of a sudden you're asking everybody to pay for these newcomers. The other thing well, in we addition – we get rid of the welfare state. Well, yeah. Good luck though, right? Once you, once you give somebody a cookie, man, they just want more cookies. You can't eat just one. You know what I'm saying? So that's a real challenge. In addition to the echo, because I agree with everything you just said, Imran, but one of the things I also uh, have concerns about that bothers me is the the deception and dishonesty that seems to be going on. Because people who are seeking asylum, they're traveling thousands of miles through Mexico to get here when they're much closer to some other Central American countries where they could also seek asylum, but they're seeking to come here. So are they really fleeing from something horrible? why, if, they, if they just need political asylum, why don't they go somewhere closer and easier? Well, that, to me, that's an easy answer. If I'm in an alley and I'm going into the back of the restaurant, there's a bathroom first. I'm not going to stop in the bathroom. I'm going to go to the front of the restaurant to eat. Why would I stop in a place that I'm not going to find the, the quality of life that I want? The reason I'm fleeing may be because of war or famine or other things. But if I'm going to move, move my family hundreds, thousands of miles, why not go all the way to the best possible scenario I can find? And if that uh, scenario is the U.S., I'm going to go there. And that's not really a problem so long as you can contribute. You know, if there is a a graduated, hey, we're going to help everybody that comes here, we're going to help you for 18 months or two years, and it's going to gradually go down. And if you commit any crime, you're going to be forcibly um, removed immediately. Those are policies you can put in place. And they can really make a big difference. And there are people that can contribute to the society. And the whole purpose is I think everybody should have a chance. I don't have a problem with immigration. I have a problem with free stuff. Because if a man won't work, he can't eat. Absolutely. Right? That's what, that's what the Bible says. Yep. Well, uh, but I'm not sure they're all families. A lot of the videos. Does it matter? Streaming, I mean, it's a lot of like 28-year-old men. Does it matter? If those 28-year-old men will work and contribute pay their taxes. Beg, and- but it begs the question to me, they're being portrayed as their political, uh, you know, they're seeking political asylum and a better way of life, but they're not bringing their family. They're a bunch of 
you know, strong military-age men who come in unvetted in across the, the continent of Europe and into the continent of North America, and we're supposed to just take that at face value. Yeah, they're just coming here for – where's their wife? Where's their mom? Where are their real kids? Oh, Troy, <laughs> what if they're coming here to get some money to send back to the family because they can't afford to bring their family or the family can't survive the trip? I don't think that's a real problem so long as those people are – followed and make sure that they are they are doing the right thing if they're committing crimes then they need to be punished severely and there should be consequences but if i have a family in africa someplace and they're they're under a lot of stress and i have two little babies and um, my wife is nursing i may not be able to travel with all of my family over there and i'm only be 28 29 i might say hey just hang out with, with grandma and grandpa for a little bit. I'm going to go find some place, set up shop, get some money, get a job, and then I'll bring you over or I'll, I'll send money to bring you over. I don't think that's, that's a dishonorable way to go, but a lot of people assume these people are criminals. I don't know if they are. But the, if they're coming for the free stuff and they're not going to actually work, they're just going to form gangs and, and go and uh, uh, rob and rape and, and pillage, that's the problem. And that's really what's happening because they don't have any consequences. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that we should be assuming that anybody is a criminal, but the, you know, the look is bad, you know, because it's not families of six, you know, it's it's single guys kind of thing. It just and then there's all those the talk about it being funded by guys like George Soros and stuff, bringing people from other parts of the world into Mexico so they can cross the southern border. And well, there's always like that, there's so. always people that are going to stir up violence and stir up um, a division. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the plan. It's in the. Communist Manifesto. It's in it's in the the um, you know New World Order plans and, and and all of that is that in order to control again back to what you're saying control the population you need that you need everyone to be on a different team from each other. As soon as you have people that are united by a common belief or goal, then that is a threat to the powers that be. It's a threat to the government, and so the government. A, a communist or totalitarian or fascist government cannot allow people to band together in a common belief. That's why the, all the intersectionality uh, stuff is really popular now. It, every, everything is to divide us. You can't be exactly the same as me. Even if we look the same, we came from the same uh, ethnic background and we have the same religion and we're the same height and Oh, but, you know, uh, you like football and I like soccer. Oh, well, we have to hate each other now. It, it's it, it's getting to that point where you can't have something that unites somebody, for, uh, unite different people from a common belief. And that's really the goal of, of so the government. So putting our pastoral hats on for now. It sounds a lot like Babel. Flesh that out. Say Right. So we're... Right, where where God confuses uh, the languages, you know, so that there are now divisions among mankind, so that they can't all unite around themselves, essentially, and you know, and worship the works of their hands rather than give glory to God, which is what what they were doing at uh, at Babel. And so, um, you know, but, you know, what, what, uh, I, I, yeah, just, I mean, this sort of, this idea of dividing people up, you know, getting people on, um, separating people, but in order to 
maintain um, you know ma- maintain some sort of uh, to to keep everyone off balance essentially right. is maybe the the idea which is is something that God did you know for for his purposes for his good purposes but I think the devil I often think, tries to copy what God yeah, did. Yeah. Uh huh. Exactly. And, and you know, corrupt it. Yeah. Because yeah, you're talking about um, the new world order. I think you, you brought that up, or the Great Reset. You brought one of those terms up. I know talking about that right. idea. And I do think that's a method uh, to the madness here. If, if they can tear down the institutional structures and the and the cohesiveness within societal culture. Uh, then everybody's like, holy cow, everything's a mess. We need some sort of centralized authority to fix this all. Who, who, exactly. Who do you mean by they? Um, the big financiers of the, of the uh, Build Back Better movement, the, the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum okay. people, Clark, uh, uh, Schwab, and then the, and the money backers, George Soros, and the big tech people. As well, you got Bill Gates and, and all, you know, all these people, all the financiers and the, the – um, the banking people in Europe and in this country, for example, that they're aiming at, they have been for a while now, and they're really going for broke, it seems like, lately, to try to uh, establish a... Uh, a global government. A European Union for the whole globe, if you will, kind of thing. And um, and that's why there was such a, such a bucking against what was going on with uh, Britain, with the Brexit. It's like that was no, no. We can't. That's going completely in the wrong direction. We we want to have bad, that's bad for business. <laughs> so, well, we uh, know. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on your eschatology, but I know and believe to be true that that has to happen at the end. Is there has to be a global government that is totalitarian and is um, the whole world united in evil against Christianity and against uh, true believers. And that comes just as Christ is returning. Now, we've only got a few minutes left, really, in this episode, but I did want to uh, pivot from the, you know, the political and social commentary into biblical applications here of what, how Christians should be thinking about universal basic income, should be thinking about um, uh, governments being in, like, just oodles and oodles of debt, and if that is, is that a concern or not? Um, you know, should so we, have, we talked about the sovereignty of borders, I think, last week or the week before. Yeah. So we might not need to talk too much about the importance of individual nations, but if we have something we want to add to that. Well, I mean, um, my dad brought up if, if, you know, you will not work, you should not eat. So that's kind of our answer to universal basic income, I, I think, is you shouldn't just get money because, you know, people that need help – the church should help them, and part of the reason the government is trying to help is because, you know, they believe or claim that the church and the charities are not doing enough, and you know, maybe the church and the charities are not doing enough because they figure the government's taking care of it. So it's kind of uh, a circular reasoning, and maybe we need to get back away from that because I think individual charities. We, we were talking about the Salvation Army and how they vet different people for. Um, the the toys for the the children. We were talking about this before we went on air. And I think individual charities are better equipped to determine who really needs help than the government who just hands money out to everybody willy-nilly. I I think one of the things that Christians should think about is 
what does God say the responsibilities of the individual are, um, and to whom do they have responsibilities, and, you know, how much does God say about actually, you know, what what are actually the government's responsibilities, God-ordained, you know, what has God said are the uh, the rights of of government versus what does he call you know us as individuals right. to do and they are few the rights of government right the yeah. rights of government are few <laughs> biblically speaking there's yeah just just a small handful <laughs> yeah so the whole social welfare state is not something that the government biblically would be advocating for for as an example right right biblically we weren't even supposed to have a king it was supposed to be just god and uh, rely on God and not government or not man to rule over man. And that was uh, for the heathen nations, but uh, Israel wanted it. And so God said, well, then you'll get it, and you'll get all the, all the worst things of it too. Connecting back to the Tower of Babel uh, idea, you know, they were trying to build uh, their tower to heaven, you know, and make a name for themselves kind of idea. And so yeah. they were putting all their energy, all their resources into that. And that is very similar to what's happening now. I mean, we've got... Governments all across the world, but we'll talk about the one we live in, the United States of America, is now trillions and trillions of debt, uh, of dollars in debt. And, and if you include the unfunded liabilities, I mean, it's over $100 trillion uh, in, in debt. But we're not going to spend our way to heaven. The, I, there's this false idea that there's utopia out there. If we can only just get it right, if we can just throw enough money at it, if we can just demonstrate enough willpower and control, we can have heaven on earth. And it's never going to happen, uh, no matter how much money we throw at it, because you don't have enough money to buy it, which is interesting because it ties right into the gospel message. The, the, the cost of heaven is immense. You think trillions of dollars is a lot of money? Trillions of dollars is nothing. The cost of heaven is immense. It costs God his son, <laughs> right, condescending to become a man. And then to live a perfect life only to be mocked and ridiculed for, beaten to within an inch of his life, and then hung on a cross to die. But then, he, of course, he raises from the dead, proving that everything he said about himself was true. And now he rules, uh, awaiting his second coming. However you think that's going to play out in your eschatological view. Uh, Daniel was hinting at you know, his eschatological view. But all Bible believers understand Christ is returning. And when he does, all of his people who are his people will be with him in that utopia, in that heaven, because it was paid for by him, not with trillions of dollars, but with his own precious blood. And so if you don't understand the truth of that and haven't applied that to your own life, then you haven't heard the gospel before. And so hopefully now you've heard it for the first time. And if you'd like to learn more about it, reach out to the show. Any one of the four of us would would love to interact with you and and flesh that out. And if you have angry questions, we're good with those, too. Uh, if you have lots of doubts, you've never been able to get those fully figured out, we're glad to help you try to work through those as well. Just uh, go go to the uh, Household of Faith in Christ website. That's the easiest way to con- connect because my, my cell phone number, my email, all the different ways that you can reach with, reach to me. And then if you want to talk to one of the other guys, you just say, hey, Troy, I was hoping to talk with Imran. Can you hook me up? And then I'll uh, I'll talk with Imran. We'll figure out how to, how to get you guys hooked up in that, in that example. So anyway, so that's... Uh, that's what we got for this week. We're going to pick up with more of this next week. I know it's not exactly Advent season kind of stuff, is it? But um, maybe we'll sneak in well, some. We've been talking about, we're talking about the Advent of the second coming. That's true, the second Advent. <laughs> That's right. So anyway, so um, 
I always get this wrong. The Razvies founded an, um, a paramin, a parachurch ministry a number of years ago, Conquered by Love Ministries, mm-hmm. and it's conqueredbylove.org. That's right. And so if you want to visit their website, it's conqueredbylove.org. Uh, David doesn't have a website yet. We'll, we'll get him up on the no. up to speed on that pretty soon. <laughs> David Forsey, Daniel Razvi, Imran Razvi, I'm Troy Skinner. You are you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back at this about 167 and a half hours from right about now. Till then... God bless.